Have you had a student athlete in your class who you've seen struggle? Have they or you worried about their mental health? I sure have. Have you considered the power of your words as a coach or a teacher? I maybe hadn't until a few years ago. In this interview, I interview Maddie, a three-season athlete, and she shares her thoughts on both of these topics, being a student athlete and managing time, her job, and healthy habits, as well as some of the impacts teachers and coaches have had on her or others. Welcome to the podcast Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagine education in schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share about their experiences and offer advice on how we can all do better. When we clear the floor of the obstacles, imagine what they will do. It's nice to meet you. I am really excited to welcome you to my podcast. I want to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about who you are. My name is Maddie Carmichael. I'm entering my senior year. I'm 16 years old and I play three varsity sports, softball, basketball, and soccer. You're a three-season athlete. Do you see similar leadership roles in the classroom that you do on the sports field? I don't think so. In sports, there are the set leaders, like the captains or the upperclassmen. You look up to them, but then in the classroom, like maybe there's somebody you look up to because they're super smart or they're good at what they do, but there are no leaders. I guess you could say that there may be silent leaders, like people that show by example. In Spanish class, there are kids that are extremely good at, at Spanish, but they're humble about it. They don't brag about it or anything, and they're not I, the best at Spanish. So having those silent leaders, it's really helpful. But there are no big leaders, like the more prominent ones you would see on the sports field. I asked you to do the VIA character survey. And we discovered that your leadership qualities were humor, creativity, perseverance, kindness, and appreciation of beauty and excellence. I'd love to ask you if any of them stood out to you or if you find that any one in particular really benefits you in your everyday interactions with other people. Perseverance maybe shocked me a little bit because I honestly feel like that there's so much going on with school and sports that I want to give up. Perseverance, that's such a big thing. You have to persevere. You got to keep going. Seeing that on the list that I got was actually surprising in a good way. That was pretty awesome. I think humor and creativity are what helps me the most in everyday life because people I meet, your humor, like such like a strong trait. I think that's my biggest thing. What drives you every day? What is behind your perseverance to be so committed? It's 
just my want to be better to reach my full potential. I've always been an athletic kid growing up and then getting into the three sports and becoming pretty good at them. I just wanted to be better, not necessarily the best, but I wanted to reach my full potential. My parents, my friends pushed me, but it's also not like overwhelming. My parents don't push me. They know my limits. I know my limits. It's a healthy environment, I'd say. How do you think you became aware of what your limits are? (laughs) I'm going to be honest. It was a couple years ago. I just became very overwhelmed with how much was going on. And so I kind of took a step back. I realized that mental health, it's a very important part of sports. I can't stress that enough. It's so important. But a couple years ago, I had a moment where I realized how much I could do and how much I wanted to push myself, how much my parents wanted to push me so that was that was very important you just stressed the mental health aspect and I would love for you to go into that because I don't think we talk enough about how mental health is actually downplayed in athletics I think a lot of people have realized it more recently with the suicide of the Stanford women's soccer goalkeeper and the James Madison University catcher. It's so important. Athletes struggle too. I remember talking to my mom. Not as many people pay attention to the athletes because these strong, big athletes, all muscles, they can handle it. There aren't enough resources for people to lean on and look at. I have coaches this year for my softball team. They're so good. Talks to us about being there for each other, being there for us, being the family. You can lean on us no matter what. What are some things that develop that leadership or teammate mentality in sport? In order to be a captain, there's a seniority stuff. But really, it's just being there for your teammates, like stepping up, being good to the coach. Another big thing is helping pick up equipment. Do you think on a team, do you share the load of leadership or does it typically fall to captains? I think it falls to captains. Most of the people who aren't really captains don't have to step up. Last year in soccer, we had two very prominent, strong captains. There wasn't very much required for like the underclassmen to do, but it wasn't that we were slacking off. The other question I have about captainship is what are your thoughts about being a good athlete in that particular sport? Do you think that is what defines being a good captain? There definitely is a requirement for your ability, but I don't think that you have to be at the top of the team. You don't have to be the best player. Our captains that just took on the leadership because they were the best leaders. It's There's definitely some requirement for skill, but I wouldn't say that you need to be the best on the team. What type of coaches have you experienced and how has that impacted your ability to be the best athlete that you want to be? Do you think there's a lot of pressure from coaches on athletes to suck it up, be their best? Yeah, coaches definitely push you. It's also important to find a coach that knows your limits. Like we were talking about earlier, there are ones that push you and then there are ones that push you a lot. And then there's just the ones that don't push you at all. A lot of coaches, they don't necessarily realize what their words mean. I've had coaches that like they're a coach. They're nothing more than that. The things that they've said, it's like, it's awful. Like there's no way you could say that to a kid ever again, even with teachers too. It's kind of ridiculous to think about The things that they say to these kids that look up to them, they don't realize how much their words mean. In a coach, what do you think is more valuable? One who understands their players. That's such a big thing. I've had coaches that have had the balance of knowing the game and knowing their players, but it's never enough. Now that you bring that up and I think about all the coaches that I've had in the past or still do have, they're ones that understand their 
their players to an extent, but definitely not enough. Are there experiences that have prevented you from achieving your goals? I would say that I've had challenges, but mostly just life challenges, I guess, and struggling to find the balance between everything going on. That was a big thing this year especially. I was taking these hard AP classes and then playing all these sports. I also got my license this year so I wanted to go out and have fun with my friends, but there was a point where my parents had to be like, "Okay, you need to get your schoolwork done." And it wasn't that I wasn't getting my schoolwork done. I was getting my schoolwork done last minute and then becoming super stressed out, anxious all the time and it was just awful. To have you figured out a way to time manage and prioritize prioritize things that you want to do versus things that you have to do? I'm a very good time manager. My priority is school. That's a must. But then comes sports and it's practices, the mandatory practices. You got to be there. And then it's my free time. It's wherever I feel not stressed out. I can go hang out with my friends. I can't like to the point where I'm stressing myself out is where I need to draw the line and okay, well you're going out with your friends every night, you're spending money, and you're stressing about trying to find a job, get money. It's just it's like a loop. It just keeps going and going. Do you have a job? Yes. I've worked at a summer camp right down the road for a couple of years now. It's not stressful at all. It's super flexible, which is very important. That's what I needed. I just need one where I can be like, oh, well, I can't go into work today because I got softball later on or I, I'm doing a basketball camp for these little kids. Do you have a job during the school year? I don't want to get my get myself wrapped up in that. Do most of your friends have jobs? Yes, a lot of them have jobs during the summer. My friend's parents own a company, so every now and then she'll work a weekend, but it's not like she's working throughout the school week through sports and everything. But then I'll have friends who are working at Olive Garden every night to like 10 and then they're coming home to do homework. That's crazy. I don't know how they do it. What are they giving up? They can't do it all. You clearly are giving up that job. What are they giving up to have that job? I think it's a mix of a lot of things. Definitely some free time, but then it's also, I think, schoolwork. It's not that they're not turning in their schoolwork. It's that they're not doing it to where they should. Your peers who work, do you think that they recognize those sacrifices? And do you think they know whether they're worth it or not? I think they view them as a sacrifice, but it's not necessarily a big sacrifice for them. Obviously, they want the money. So they're going out with their friends or they're driving, spending money for gas. But I also don't think that they're stressed about their situation because they're still doing their homework. They're getting the 100 for turned in homework assignment, but it's difficult to gauge. I talked to one last night. She works at Olive Garden. She was talking about how she was sacrificing hanging out. Hanging out was like a big thing. Do you think kids your age feel a pressure to work to make ends meet? Or do you think it's just for extra things that that we tend to want but can't have? I do think there's like a pressure to work but I also think that some kids know their limits so they won't work but they're also those kids that get the pressure from their parents from their friends or just seeing everybody else work you are a senior and likely you will be going to play one or more of those sports in college it sounds like you could potentially choose the college based on the sport will coaches play a factor in where you go and what sport you choose to play. There's definitely a lot of things that I think about that a college or university must have. A coach is 
one of the biggest things. From the coaches that I've talked to so far, I can definitely tell which ones care about their players more than just the game. Having like a good, solid coaching environment. I want to have a healthy environment. You said you could tell pretty much right off the bat. How are you able to pick that up. The first coach that I talked to, I could definitely tell was very open and relaxed, but also not relaxed in the sense where lazy. She cared a lot about her players. One of the players was late to practice. She was like, oh, it's okay. She's doing school. She'll be here. I picked up on that pretty quickly. She prioritizes other things rather than just softball. But then the other ones I've talked to, they've just been more strict with softball, 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 or really just sports in general. It's interesting to reflect on It's not necessarily about knowing the sport and the game itself as much as it is lifting those athletes up into a team mentality that really creates an effective program. You mentioned that you're 16. Do you feel young going into your senior year that you're at any disadvantage being younger than your peers? I do feel young. I'm the youngest in my family on both sides. So my cousins have all been older going into their senior year. I've also been friends with upperclassmen who were 18 going into their senior year. And I'm like, that is crazy. Just seeing now that they've left and I'm a 16 year old going into their senior year being like, what do I do? I'm the bigger kid now. Like, and I don't have somebody else to look up to. It's kind of scary. What are some of the things that you are looking forward to going into your senior year of high school? The freedom. I am excited, but I'm also nervous for the future. Seeing where everybody else is going or what they're thinking about. Maybe I kind of want to do this now or also leaving like my friends and my family behind. I'm curious because you're such a driven athlete, do you feel like college is maybe the only path in order to continue playing at the level that you're playing? I do, but I made that decision to. I've talked to my parents funny times about this. Maybe I don't want to go to college, but then I can't play softball or basketball or soccer. That's just how it is. I made that decision a while ago. Maybe if I didn't want to do softball, maybe I wouldn't be going into college. I've brought up culinary school a couple times. I think that'd be interesting, but I can't play softball. Yeah, that's a disappointing aspect to loving a sport so much and wanting to continue to play. I know your mom plays, so there's a life after education, especially softball. There's a lot of adult leagues, but I think that I had never really considered the path that has to be prescribed for those who are interested in competitively playing a sport. Tell me about some of the classes that you've taken that have sort of opened your eyes or been really good experiences. In junior year, we're required to take this career pathways class, which is very like helpful. It's called SCORE. And you see which professions or careers you're most compatible with. And then you look into what colleges you want to go to, what colleges fit that career, if you're interested in that career. So that was definitely very helpful. But then there's also classes that don't have curriculum focused on like defining your future that were also helpful because of the teacher. I had a teacher this past year who listened to the kids, which helped us become less 
stressed. She would ask us, what do you have going on right now? Are you stressed? Is there too much work? That was so helpful. She focused on the kids, but she also focused on her curriculum. Her curriculum was about intro to law, which is the career I want to take. So having her there as a resource was so helpful. Tell me about teachers who didn't ask those questions. And as an athlete, you're balancing a lot of things. Do you think that teachers really allow students to be more than just a student? I had a couple of teachers this year who just, like we were talking about the coaching ability versus talking to their players. There were definitely teachers that focused on their curriculum rather than just their students, which was awful. That was the worst environment. They gave us so much work that that was the class that we had to be focusing on. They prioritized, I guess. I think you're right. I think often best teachers are the ones that understand students. The curriculum is not the priority. I mean, maybe not their area of expertise, which seems counterintuitive. And I think it seems counterintuitive in coaching as well. Like you want to hire a coach who was a really good athlete in that particular sport. You want to hire a teacher who's really got a lot of background in that particular curriculum. But in reality, the better coaches, the better teachers are the ones that understand who they're working with. That's a pretty cool observation, Maddie. If you could imagine a school where you would be the most successful, what things would be present in that school environment? Well, basic things like a gym and a library would be nice, but good food, that's another big thing, but also a mental health counselor or just area. I took women's literature and we focused on mental health and how that affects students in school. That was really cool to realize maybe we could have a mental health center. We talked about calling uh, because you're sick, but mental health days, calling out and having that be an excused absence rather than unexcused. I think that having like a mental health center is something that like a dream school of mine would have because it's so big. It's so big in school, so big in sport. It's really interesting imagining that What about the academics and the athletics of that school? What would it look like for you as a driven athlete? Where would the academic part go? Where would the athletic part go? And how would you see the balance between the two? For academics, I want teachers that understand their students rather than just focusing on their curriculum. And also for coaches, I want them to like be friendly with their players and understand them rather than just the game. I want that in my dream school. I want good academics, good sports. I want to have a driven but also healthy environment, like supporting. Honestly, I would push school back a couple hours, make academics maybe four hours rather than eight because that's that's awful. I like how we have sports right after school because for me, blow some steam off after school or whatever. Like I go kick a ball or I go swing a bat. But then coming home after that, I find that I have very short amount of time to just get my homework done, eat, shower, even just hang out with my parents. Or maybe I want to go hang out with my friends. I'd like to have a school where that was structured around not just like academics and sports, a less stressful environment. The more we talk about it, the more I think We put this time expectation on academics, but if we really think about it, how much of that time is wasted? What about advice that you would like to give to teachers? 
know what comes out of your mouth is important to your kids. They look up to you. That's a big thing I would say to a a teacher. Just realize what authority you have and think about the things that you say to your kids and what they mean coming from you. I had a teacher that said something that I still think about. It's it's not necessarily like a really hurtful thing, but it, it made me step back and realize, oh, well, She didn't realize what she was saying meant something to me. And and now I'm looking back on all the other things that the teachers have said and what we've talked about and how they don't realize the power that they have. That's such, oh, I hate that she, what she said. It was so bad. It's hard being a teacher and knowing that you have that kind of power, but knowing that you have that kind of power makes you more aware and more reflective. Advice that you would give to your peers. I would say know your limit. Find it out as soon as possible because if you don't, you're going to become overwhelmed and it's not going to be pretty. Also, don't be afraid to question your teachers. Going in as a freshman, I was like, oh, well, they're your teacher. You have to do what they say. You have to listen to them. They're always right. They're not always right. That's so wrong. The incident with that teacher happened this year. And I'm looking back on my younger years and I'm like, oh, well, these teachers have said these things to me my whole academic career. I think that now if students point them out and say something about it, then the school environment can improve. This has been really great. I have appreciated the insight you have given throughout this conversation. So thank you so much, Maddie. I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. What was something that stood out to you in this episode? For me, it was the impact my words have on my students. What struck me in this interview was when Maddie shared the impact teachers' words had on her and reflecting on the messages that teachers have had and have given her throughout her academic experience. I want to share an analogy about a basketball team. If you are creating a basketball team, the likelihood that you are going to stack your team with natural basketball athletes is pretty slim. You know, as a coach, that you have to train athletes to become better athletes. You have to coach them. You have to guide them. Leadership is the same thing. We have to train leaders. We have to guide leaders. We have to coach leaders. And if you or somebody you know could use some of those leadership trainings, I have a great program for you. It's called the Leadership Academy. And if you search peers, not fears, you will come across my Leadership Academy, which is available for unlimited access to do leadership training. It is broken into modules. You can do them in order or out of order, whatever you need. You can repeat them for $500. You have access to this Leadership Academy for a lifetime. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon.